Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode three of Through the Clouds podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jared Schumeyer. I'm joined alongside Ava Albright. And we are excited to welcome you back to our third rendition of the Through the Clouds podcast. Yeah. Yeah, we, we've made it yet another episode. Another week. Another week down. Uh, we are two college students here presenting our, uh, a weekly podcast about aviation just for fun. Uh, and yeah, because we love talking about airplanes. A bit too much sometimes, I think. Yeah, and I hope you guys like listening to us talking about <laughs> airplanes. Um, anyways, this week we uh, we actually fielded out some questions from you guys over on Instagram as well as Snapchat. Uh, if you're not following us, feel free to follow us at TT Clouds Podcast. That is our handle. Uh, so we fielded you guys some questions over there uh, for a and a So we're going to do that first. Then we're going to talk about our own aviation stories for the week, as well as bringing into our aviation news segment some jokes, and we're going to finish it off with our featured incident of the week, uh, and we'll send you on your way. This should be a good ep- a good episode, I think. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, me too. So uh, first off, uh, we got six questions, uh, and uh, they happen to all be from people residing in the Wisconsin region. So if you're not from the Wisconsin region, be sure to uh, engage with us a little bit more on social media, follow us, and uh, ask some more questions because it seems like we have a heavy user base <laughs> in the Wisconsin region. Yeah. But yeah, anyways, uh, Ava, you want to go ahead with the first question? All right, so we have uh, Lauren from Fond du Lac. Hello, Lauren. Hi, Lauren. Uh, how you doing? <laughs> she asks, what adventure will you two go on next? Uh, so if you're not uh, aware with our personal life, uh, Ava and I seem to be going on many random adventures now and again. Um, so, yeah, that's always fun. Like uh, we do, we've do, we done day trips to Atlanta, uh, other airports. Yeah, weekend trips to Disney. Yeah. Weekend trips to other places too, yep. Florida, a couple times. Yeah. Uh, or we'll just go into the, the, the city of Chicago right here and... Mm-hmm. Do some shenanigans downtown. Yeah, or just go up for a flight. We did that yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. That was, that was very fun. Uh, but yeah, what is our next adventure, Ava? I honestly don't really know. I think, I mean. We have we for sure have one ad- major adventure planned for the summer. Yep. Uh, but between now and then, hopefully we go on some adventures. Yes. I think we're talking about kind of going for a bit of a longer flight some weekend. So I'm excited for that. But. Yeah, so that that would be flying in our 172 as both P being PIC here um, and flying around. Um, but as for planned adventures right now, our only planned adventure is we are going to Greece this summer. Yep. Uh, for almost two weeks. Yep. Well, maybe it's a little over two weeks, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So we're able, so we'll be over in Greece. Um, my sister is getting married. Shout out to Katrina. Congratulations, <laughs> Katrina and Andy. Uh, but. The wedding is only going to be like, I don't know, three days of activities or something yeah. like that. So the rest of the time is going to be vacationing in the islands of Greece. So yep. that should be very fun. Very exciting. Yeah. So that's what we got. Thanks for your question, Lauren. All right. The next one is from Belle. She's from Oshkosh. Um, hi, Belle. Hi, Belle. Uh, she asks, what made you both want to become pilots? I'll let you answer this one first. Okay. Uh, for me, growing up in Oshkosh meant uh, being around airplanes for most of my younger career. But that's I will not say... That's where I got it from because I actually, um, I didn't live in Oshkosh my whole life. I moved there when I was about seven. Before I lived in Oshkosh, we would take a family vacation every once in a while on an airplane. And according to my parents, uh, anytime the word airplane or an airplane flew over the house, I was 
in just insanely intrigued by airplanes. As a matter of fact, one of my first drawings I ever did was of an airplane. Um, so yeah, I've always been interested in like transportation, cars, boats, planes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and I guess the more and more I got closer to airplanes, the more and more I decided to love them and learned about them. And now that's pretty much all I can think about. <laughs> Okay, well, for me, it's kind of a similar thing. I, I did, I have been in Oshkosh basically my whole life. So every single year was filled with airplanes for me. Um, my parents always bring this up when I was younger. I wanted to be a garbage man or an astronaut. So it's kind of always somewhere related to transportation. Yeah. Um, but ever since those two crazy dreams of mine passed, it's always wanted to be pilot for me. Um, I've had my share of flights, loved them all. Nothing to complain about, you know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a bad flight experience for some people is just more opportunity to be in an airport environment for us. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Um, as yeah. long as it doesn't mess with, like, connections, I will always, like, a delay doesn't really bother phase me that much. Yeah, no. Unless, if, like, I'm dying to get home, which is very rare. That's only <laughs> after, like, I don't know, we've tried for a couple flights and then yeah. we still can't get on. Yeah. Uh, but besides that, you know. Yeah, More time in the airport. Love airplanes and exactly. You know, I don't know. Love flying. Love being in like control of airplanes. Well, speaking of being in control of airplanes, Steve from Oshkosh. Thanks for your question, Bell. Once <laughs> yes, again, uh, Steve from Oshkosh is asking, uh, "What is our favorite flying maneuver?" Um, that is a hard one because I did. I will say I did like doing the spin when I got to do one. That was really cool because it's it's something that just makes you so aware of one of the worst things that can happen in a small plane. And why don't you explain for our viewers that don't know a lot about aviation what a spin is? So a spin is basically, I mean, you think about it, you're just your nose is diving down straight towards the ground and you're just kind of in a spinning motion. Um, what causes that is when your plane goes into a stall and it's kind of un like the wings are uncoordinated, that's when you kind of flip over and start spinning. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, it was a very scary experience for me, made me a little sick. But it was definitely something that showed me, like, just the worst thing that could happen. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Good point. Uh, Steve, to answer your question, I have to say my favorite maneuver is probably, uh, boy, does an approach count as a maneuver? Can nope. I use an approach as a No. Are you doing, are you going maneuvering speed? Yeah, you actually are. You do go 90 knots on an approach. Yeah. Okay, well, just do a regular maneuver. <sighs> I was going to do a GPS approach. Um, anyways, uh, my favorite maneuver. You got to do a spin, too, didn't you? No. Oh. I've never done this spin. Um, boy, this this is a difficult one. My favorite maneuver, I don't know, there's so many good ones. we got stalls out there, slow flight, steep turns. Slow flight can be cool, unusual attitudes. the wind. Yeah, honestly, I think slow flight might be one of my favorite because it's the most tame of them all. Mm -hmm. I don't like harsh maneuvers <laughs> in the planes. I get a little motion sick sometimes, so that can be a little... I mean, I know a lot of people that just, like, absolutely love stalls. But for me, it's not a safety thing. Like, I, I feel very comfortable in the airplane. Yes. I just don't like the motion. Like, really? Like, is it necessary? I don't think so. Like, we don't need to keep doing stalls every day. But it shows you the capabilities of the airplanes. Yeah, I can just read a manufacturer's handbook and trust that that's... <laughs> I'm just kidding. I understand why we do them. Yeah. Why they're very important. They're very beneficial. But, yeah, I would say probably slow flight is fun. So that's where you, one, yeah. you dump the flaps... 
airspeed. You're going like right above the stall speed. You're flying as slow as possible. You yep. do turns, climbs, descents. And instead of a typical fashion where you use your elevators and ailerons to manage your pitch and your airspeed or in your throttle to manage your airspeed, we're in a region of reverse command, as they call it. So our power actually is what fixes our altitude mm -hmm. and our pitch is actually what fixes our airspeed. Yeah. So it's kind of like backwards. It's like patting your head, rubbing your tummy and flipping around. That's what it's kind of like. Yeah, it does. It feels very weird to be going that slow in an airplane. Yeah. But it is definitely amazing. Yeah, we talked about in a, a previous podcast about how we were almost going backwards yeah. during slow flight. That it, there's some crazy things you can do with slow flight. Okay, slow flight and then a normal recovery. Your slow flight into a power off stall. Honestly, I would re probably rather do a power off stall yeah. recovery. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's where you go straight from slow flight. You cut the power, pitch down as if you were descending to a landing zone. Then you push back without adding any throttle. Let the airspeed bleed off, stall horn, buff it, full stall, full power, full down, and you recover. That was a very technical way yes, of explaining it. <laughs> that, that was the checklist right there. That was the checklist <laughs> flow. Okay, thank you, Steve. All right, we have another one. Paige from Oshkosh. Hello, Paige. Hi, Paige. How you doing? Um, I, don't, I did not see this question. Jarrett read this question. but Paige reached so. to me on Snapchat when I posted this, and she yeah. asked, um, she just wants to know a little bit more about seaplanes. She said she's been fascinated about seaplanes her entire life. Wants to know a little bit more about them. Uh, Paige, thank you for your question. I also am very interested in seaplanes. Yes. I think Ava is as well. Yep. Uh, this Either this summer or next summer, it is one of my like dreams to go out to Florida and get my seaplane license because they got a cheap program out there. Yeah. Also, it's Florida, so like, why would you not <laughs> want to get your seaplane license there? Um, Jack Brown Seaplane Base. So shout out to them. If you guys are listening, you guys want to give a uh, free uh, seaplane yeah. lesson, feel free to uh, <laughs> to reach out to me. Yeah. Um. I mean, ever. I mean, last year we went when we went to EA together. We did go to the seaplane base. That was very cool. Got to sit in some of the seaplanes, watch them take off. Sadly, no rides. No rides. Um. But I did get to go. I did do a seaplane flight last year in Destin, Florida. That was very cool. We landed right on a sandbar, um, very popular sandbar in Destin, if you don't know. It's called Crab Island. So we basically ended up just kind of like taxiing on the water over to a boat that was handing out ice cream sandwiches. That was by far one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. Yeah, that sounds pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, I personally am also very fascinated by just like how seaplanes work. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, let's kind of lay down how yeah. seaplanes work. So I don't know, Ava. Do you know? Do you understand how like fully seaplanes work? I don't know. I mean, kind of, but okay. there's. I mean, there's always more you can learn about that. Uh, yeah. Of course, yeah. So I actually I did like a, I got a free like seaplane ground school from EAA a couple mm -hmm. years ago, so I ended up actually going through it. Yeah. Very fascinating. So you got these uh, floats that are used instead of traditional landing gear. Some yep. seaplanes have retractable gear that you can push out of the floats, so they can land on both the land and water. Mm -hmm. The floats are, um, you know, they just allow the aircraft to float. They use them as traditional landing gear. So it's basically these giant pontoons. Think of how a pontoon boat works. Seaplane works in the exact same way. When you're going to take off, um, you want to do a, a soft field technique. So that means you want the, the, the controls all the way in your stomach, all the way back to let the nose kind of raise out of the water. As you add the throttle, you're going to do this thing called get on step. 
And that's kind of like when you're in a faster boat, how like the nose starts coming out of the mm-hmm. water and then you realize it's like bumpy, 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 bumpy. And then you, once you get on step, uh, it's kind of like smoother as you go fast. That's what you want in the seaplane. And it's, yep. you can't take off until you're on that step and the fronts of the floats are out of the water. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we go ahead you'll lift off and then you will remain in ground effect fly over. Uh, there's a, you know, you, you can land on any water um, as long as the conditions are right. So you're, you're trying to avoid glassy water as much as possible. This is water without any waves because it's hard to, to see where the water is, yep. um, what direction the wind's going. It's hard to, um, you know, do a comfortable landing that's not hard um, on the, the, saw, the glassy water with no ripples in it, which is contrary to p- popular belief. You know, you would think that you would want a smooth yeah. as possible landing and, surface. I mean... When I did fly in the seaplane, there were, I mean, pretty big waves. It took a couple times, a couple tries for us to actually take off and get out of the water. Okay. Because um, we're kind of taking off in, like, a bay. And so the water is kind of more in its own space. Like, it wasn't flowing as much. So, yeah, you know, it's kind of harder. That's the cool thing about seaplanes, too, is you you don't have to fly. I mean, obviously, the, the purpose of them is to fly. Mm-hmm. But you can cruise around the lake at high speeds. <laughs> Um, on step and they teach you how to do that first before you actually take off because they want you to make sure you're okay aborting to take off um, yeah. in the water because it's very different as soon as you pull that throttle back you kind of just sink back into the water and you mm-hmm. have to make sure you're controlling the airplane properly but yeah seaplanes are absolutely fascinating to they me. totally are they're awesome thank you Paige, for your question yes uh, angelia from appleton asks how do pilots navigate around turbulence especially during landing hello angelia Hello. Uh, Turbulence. It's one of those things that everyone gets uncomfortable about. Um, You hear people reassured that turbulence will never, you know, hurt a person. And then next week on on the news, you hear that somebody died from turbulence. That actually recently happened in a private jet. Somebody was unfortunately killed due to turbulence. However, the full story is, is that they were walking about the cabin um, after departure ended up hitting their head after some nasty turbulence and then died because of the repercussions of that. Mm-hmm. That's why it's always a good idea to have your seatbelt low and tight across your lap at all times during the flight, even when you think you're in smooth air. But, I mean, also I understand people want to get up, walk, or up, walk about the cabin, you know. Yeah, exactly. That's just one of those things, like, if you're not going to the bathroom, walking around the cabin, just put your seatbelt. Like, you don't need yeah. it off. Um, you forget about it. It's there after a while. But, yeah, especially during takeoff, like, you mm-hmm. should not be walking about the cabin during takeoff. Um, but you know, honestly, turbulence is nothing to be afraid of. Exactly, you're in the air. You, you know, you st- you're staying in the air. Like it's not like it might feel like you're dropping a lot, but yeah. in reality, you're not dropping that much. Yeah, and those are just trends we call downdrafts. So that's mm-hmm. just a column of air that, because of the pressure differential of clouds, bases, different pressure levels, and the ground, it's pushing a column of air down. Uh, so when we get into that, then it gets bumpy, it gets rough just because of the like separation of airflow from our wings is kind of like going around it in different styles that creates bumps. But yeah, it's really nothing to be worried about. It's just a weather phenomenon. It's like driving pot around potholes yep. on the ground. Um, and the other part of the question was, especially during landing. So really, it's kind of difficult to navigate around turbulence during landing because there's only, there's only so many places you can go, only so many things you can do. While and, you're on approach to land. And not only that, is that there is no official way 
to forecast turbulence. You can predict where it's going to be because we mm-hmm. know how turbulence is created. But there's no like, unlike weather or clouds, we can just because see those with a radar. Time where yeah, there's no way to see exactly where turbulence mm-hmm. is going to occur. Um, but basically, one thing that they teach you, um, basically, like when you start to get your private, is when you think that there's going to be turbulence or when you start feeling turbulence, especially on landing, you just increase your airspeed a bit just to kind of help you gain more control of the airplane. The faster you're going, the better, especially if you drop down, you can kind of pitch up right away and not stall. Um, but yeah, just increasing your airspeed a little bit will always help. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, so sorry about any bumpy area you might yeah. experience. Just let it, just let, uh, letting you know that your pilots have the best interests uh, and they have... You're in good hands. And remaining calm is the best idea. Exactly. Just understand that it's going to happen. It's going to be uncomfortable mm-hmm. for everybody. Uh, but, you know. It's just a pothole in the air. It's just a pothole in the air. Just just, just curse out the DOT mm-hmm. in the air for not fixing those <laughs> potholes. <laughs> yeah. Um. Last question. Second to last question uh, is going to be from Sam oh. from Oshkosh. Uh, I forgot to put this in the show notes, so that's why it seemed yeah. like the last question, but it wasn't Put the last off. question. That's my fault. Uh, Sam, uh, he well, he's technically not from Oshkosh anymore. He's from Chicago. He's a SkyWest regional pilot uh, on the Embraer 175. Uh, and he asks, how do pilots go to the bathroom in the air? You know, he obviously knows that. He was trying to be funny uh, <laughs> because he is obviously a much higher level pilot than mm-hmm. we are. Uh, Sam was actually one of my first CFIs. He taught me pretty much everything I know about flying. Shout out to Sam. Shout out to Sam. <laughs> uh, anyways, so Sam asked, how do pilots go to the bathroom while flying? He specifically wanted to learn about the number two process. Um, when you're flying our little sky chickens, um, you that is pretty much not an option. you got to wait till you're on the ground. Yeah, there's no bathroom in little 172s. So no. Just and hold it. Number one is always easier than number two to on the fly. Okay. I don't, I don't really know what to say. Okay. I have never like run into experience where I've had to go. Oh, okay. You know, I just take every possible opportunity I can use the bathroom before I fly. Um, so, yeah. But, yeah, exactly. The, your only bathroom in the sky is the one on the ground. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Either behind or in front of you. <laughs> uh, with Sam's case, I guess he could ask the flight yeah. attendant to sit in his seat. So then there's still two people in the flight deck and then he can use the restroom on the uh, Embraer 170. I heard they're quite spacious. Really? No, that is a complete joke. (laughs) (laughs) Better than the CRJ-200. Well, anything, anything is better than the CRJ-200. Yeah. Our our G-1000 and the 172S model is more technically advanced than the CRJ-200. Okay, but it gets people where they need to go, so, you know. So does a car. Anyways, okay, now it's time for the last question. Okay, you want to, you want to ask this one because I don't exactly know. Yeah, so Briar from Oshkosh is asking us about 9-11. He's in Disney World right now, though. He is in Disney World right now. Lucky guy. He wants to know um, where did it happen. It happened in New York City in September 11, 2001. Uh And he also wanted to know um, just a little bit more about 9-11. I was not alive. I think he was more asking because of those documentaries that come out about the fifth plane. He was probably trying to get our conspiracy theory out about it but i have not watched the fifth play documentary yet so i need to do that before i comment i have watched it i i think the documentary was not the best 
personally. Um, it kind of just repeated itself saying that, like, the flight attendants, the pilots have this conspiracy and, like, they think this could happen. I, I mean, before, before this documentary came out, I had never really thought about it. Never really heard about it even. Um, so I don't exactly know whether this could be true or not. I mean, I'm not going to say no, but I'm also not going to say that I'm, like, totally 100% backing this conspiracy. Yeah, that's valid. Mm-hmm. Yep, I guess we'll, I'll, we will just have to see on that. Yeah. Okay, if you have any more further questions, feel free to contact us at ttcloudspodcast at gmail.com. That is our email address. Or reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter at ttcloudspodcast is our handle. Uh, or reach out to us personally uh, on Instagram, Snapchat, text, whatnot, if you have more questions about aviation. Yeah. This brings us into our first normal segment of the week, I think, right? Yeah, yeah this yep. does. Um I don't know, Ava. What's this one about? What's going on here again? Um, any news? Any stories for this week about yourself? Your flying experiences? Anything like that? Yeah. So um, uh, this week, I uh, started a job at O'Hare. I will be working uh, at O'Hare as a ramp agent for an unspecified company as of right now. Uh, but yeah, I'll be working with planes again. That's why I used to do. I love doing it. Uh, there's nothing better than throwing bags. Pushing back planes, the icing planes. I just love every second of it. So I'm really excited to uh, be working at uh, yeah, one of my exciting. favorite airports in the world. Mm-hmm. That's very exciting. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't flying today. I actually just went flying like a couple hours ago. Uh, today is yesterday, if you're listening on the day of the podcast release. Um, and it was good. It was, it was pretty bumpy. Did some instrument flying maneuvers. Uh, getting ready to do some holds, GPS stuff. Uh, Going to go in the sim and fly a... Uh, an arc for the first time on Friday, so that should be interesting. Yeah. Uh, and then t- tomorrow night, or today, tonight, if you're listening, Tuesday, Tuesday, we'll just say, we'll Tuesday. Just say Tuesday night. Okay, sorry, Tuesday night. Uh, I'm gonna do a night cross country over to Quad Cities Airport in Moline, Iowa. So that should be exciting. That's yeah. a Class Charlie air- airspace. So I'm excited to fly into a bigger it's airport. Gonna be a late night for you. Yeah, it will be a late night for me because that's pretty far away. Yeah. Um, nothing really for me. I sadly did not get to fly today. Um, I was supposed to fly yesterday. That did not get to happen either. So the last flight I've taken was Friday. Or the last flight I've flown, I should say. Jert and I did fly yesterday. Um, so, yeah, basically right now I was just kind of studying, preparing for my stage check, both the oral and flight portion of it. Um, so that's pretty exciting. After that, it'll be cross countries for me and all that fun stuff. So, yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. Cross countries are my favorite part of flying, personally. Uh, so yeah, that's what we got for our personal news this week. Yeah. Okay. Now, now is the segment I can't remember. Can you remind me what's going on now? Well, we have some aviation news, I think. We do. Oh, Maybe. hold on. Let me let me call call our uh, broadcasting center real okay. quick. <laughs> ring, 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 ring. This is your weekly aviation news with Through the Clouds podcast. I am your host, Jerry Mayer, joining along Ava Albright, and we are about to share this week's aviation news. That's so much better. Thank you, Broadcasting Center, for playing that for us. Totally was not you, Jared. Totally was not me. Um, anyways, uh, Ava, what have we got going on this week? Well, um, in Air India and Nepal Airlines near collision, yet another one of these. What is up with these? There's too many of them. I have no idea, but you know, this one did have some repercussions, especially for the air traffic controllers. Two were suspended. 
Oh, oh boy. Um, so we had a Airbus A319 and an Airbus A320, um, both landing at an airport. Um, this airport was the Kathmandu Airport. It's capital Nepal. Um, basically, one of the airplanes was clear to descend from 19,000 feet um, prior to its arrival. And right underneath them at 15, or yeah, at 15,000 feet, an A320 um, was there. So they were forced to descend to 7,000 feet. The air traffic controllers were suspended for carelessness. Um, so, I mean, that basically just tells itself, you know, air traffic controllers just didn't care, honestly. Didn't this, care, weren't paying attention. Yeah, yeah. And this comes after a, a string of failures that mm-hmm. are similar, as well as the Yeti Airlines ATR-72 crash that happened earlier this year, um, which was the deadliest ever ATR-72 crash. Yeah. Um, it's. I mean, it's sad how these things keep happening. They can easily be avoided. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. Very sad. It sure is. It's definitely been something that's been happening a lot more often recently. That's all because of complacency, or that's the FAA's opinion on it. All because it's complacency. Yeah. Any any news from you? Yeah, I got a couple things going on. First, uh, touch on summer scheduling. We uh, are starting to get ready into the uh, summer season. I know it's only March twenty seventh as of right now, but snowing so. Um, the summer season is rapidly approaching uh, for flight schedules, and we have some big news. Lufthansa is bringing out the A380s again. That is so exciting. They are finally uncovering them, undustifying them, and they are going to bring them. For sure, right now, we have verified service to New York's JFK and Boston Logan Airport this summer. Lufthansa will fly the A380. Might just have to go to JFK to fly on one. Might just have to go to JFK. It's going to be very exciting seeing the A380 back in service again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really hope that we can see maybe an A380 or two uh, here at O'Hare this summer. Yeah, that would be exciting. Because uh, right now we just have British Airways but with their A380. Lufthansa does have the 747 here right now, so I'm not going to complain about that. See, I so they've, they're Frankfurt service. They've got mm-hmm. one Frankfurt service that is on the 747. Mm-hmm. I want them to add an A380 service to Munich. Yeah. Not just because we're also going to be doing that flight. Then our flight uh-huh. would also be upgraded from A350 to an A380, which A350 would be awesome. A350 is cool, though, too. Yeah, but A380 is cooler, at least in my opinion. Yeah. Okay, that's what we got going on for summer schedule. And then Qantas also is adding new Australian meal offerings for the summer season in both their business economy and premium economy offerings. Always nice to have authentic food on your flights. Yes, it is. Okay, that's our summer news. Mm-hmm. Uh, a recent study was published that one in three Americans believe that they could land a plane in an emergency, a commercial airliner, without any previous experience. Experience. I think that's interesting. A lot of people say that they get all their information from the, the Hollywood movies, which, as you and I know, is nothing like the real thing. Yeah, I'll say it took me a couple lessons to get down landing a plane, a small plane especially. I mean, larger planes are so much more complicated to land, especially if you have never been to that airport or I mean, don't even look outside the window when you're flying. 
Yeah, exactly. Like, so many, yeah, so many people looks. are on their phones all the time, and they think, yeah. "Oh, well, you just touch, push a button, and boom, you're on the mm-hmm. ground." Very seldom is that the case that we push buttons to get on the ground. It is a lot of monitoring and a lot of hand flying as well. A lot of people don't realize how much hand flying that pilots actually end up doing. I will say though, most of the flights I've taken recently, I have seen at least one pilot deadheading. So, I mean, there's bound to be at least one experienced pilot on the plane, I feel like. Yeah, that, that that's a good mm-hmm. point. I mean, this goes recently, yeah. this last week, a Southwest uh, airliner was uh, forced to divert to Las Vegas, or, sorry, yeah, it was going, it diverted back to Las Vegas. Okay. It took off from Las Vegas, diverted back to Las Vegas after the pilot became incapacitated due to a health issue. Um and an off-duty pilot employed by another airline was on the flight as a passenger, and he was allowed into the flight deck to assist with radio mm-hmm. communication during the time. I feel like that's also one of the things, I mean, why it's so important for flight attendants to be paying attention when passengers are walking on the plane. Um, not only for, like, if they need help loading baggage or something like that for a more stronger, capable person. Also, I mean, looking for the pilots, you know. Exactly. If something happens. And, I mean... More likely nowadays, you're bound to find a pilot on the flight. So, exactly. And our last news story for the day: Pilot Associates team up, calling single pilot ops a threat to safety. The world's largest organizations, including the International Federal Line of Airline Pilots Association, the European Cockpit Association, and the American Airline. Not not to be confused with like American Airlines, like just America as a country. Mm-hmm. Airline Pilots Association says that single pilot operations will lead to significant increase in workload for the one pilot. The group claims that technology, no matter how sophisticated, is not replacement for pilots on the flight deck. Mm-hmm. And that is 100% correct. Yes. I do not think that in the near future we will be seeing single pilot flight decks. I hope not. Uh, I really hope not. I think it is a huge safety concern. Mm-hmm. And if we can't even get things right with two pilots, I don't think we need to be drawing it back to one. And, I mean, even for bigger planes, you know, these longer flights, you're having three to four even five pilots, you know. No, exactly. You can go down to one. Yeah, and it and it even depends on like how big the plane. Like some of the seven forty sevens, they still u- utilize mm-hmm. a flight engineer spot. Yeah. Um. So that's that's a minimum of six crew members, flight crew members on a flight over eight hours. Mm-hmm. So that's crazy. Yeah, I'd, I I mean, even for like my comfort, I could not be in a plane, a bigger plane, knowing that there's only one person in the cockpit. Well, even. Even as a pilot myself, I would want some sort of redundancy backup. I mean, we have redundancy in planes. Everything has at least two systems. Mm -hmm. The pilot should also have that. And, I mean, you were just talking about the Southwest plane. The pilot became incapacitated. That could happen. Exactly. We'd have no pilot. Exactly. Yeah. Not a good idea. You should always have a backup plan. Exactly. Or a backup pilot. I 100% agree. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think two pilots should be the, the industry minimum. I understand why we went from the normal minimum of three on shorter flights to two, mm-hmm. but no more than no less than two. Especially because I feel like there's been an increase in the amount of people who want to become pilots nowadays. It should, I mean, it's it's slowly getting easier and easier to find pilots. Exactly. So there should be no problem finding at least two pilots for each plane. Exactly. Okay. Well, that was our aviation yeah. news section. We hope you enjoyed mm-hmm. it. Now it's time for your favorite section, the jokes. What do you got for us today? Okay. What do you call an airplane that flies backward? Uh, I do not know. A receding airline. 
That wasn't the worst. That was pretty good, I yeah. think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, well, what do you got? Um, what do you call a space pilot who lives dangerously? A space pilot that lives dangerously? I don't mm-hmm. know. Hans Yolo. <laughs> that one was not that bad either. Wow. That I think was, you know, I think we're we're setting an unprecedented for good jokes. That was from Star Wars, right? Yeah, that, that was from okay. Star Wars. I am not a big fan of Star Wars though, but that is for the Star Wars fans out there. Some other good movies out there. There is that one movie, Airplane. Mm-hmm. Classic. I've watched that recently, yes. We did watch that recently. Uh speaking of airplane, we did have a joke from a from a uh a viewer, Steve from Oshkosh. I'd say a fan. A fan. <laughs> yeah. A two out of two listener. Thank yep. you, Steve. A loyal fan. He is wondering he submitted a question that is based on the movie Airplane. He says, my wife asked Siri the other day, surely it's not going to rain today. Siri said, yes, it will rain. And don't call me Shirley. I think she forgot to take her phone off airplane mode. That was a good one. I will say, though, if you have not watched the airplane movie, you'd probably not get it. But that was definitely. But if you have, you totally will and you'll be laughing. Thank you, Steve, for the joke. As always, if you have any jokes to submit to us, email us at ttcloudspodcast at gmail.com. All right, I have one more. Um, what do airplane builders say about their job? I don't know. It's riveting. Okay, next week I will make sure that you're the last person to say I'm just messing with you. It just happens that any time that the last joke is said, we have to do it. And it's always me, so. And it just happened to be you okay. again. I even I even let left the door open for you to start jokes, and you said, Jarrett, what do you have for us this week? So I guess, I guess that's what's gonna happen. Oh, she's putting it in the show notes now. Don't let Jared go first for jokes. For okay, we'll see if you remember uh, this for next week. Yeah, let's hope I do. Okay, now it is your turn uh, to tell us a little bit more about our featured incident of the week. Okay, well, um, Swiss Air Flight One Eleven. It. Um, was a McDonnell Douglas MD-11 uh, taking off from JFK, John F. Kennedy International Airport. That is in New York. Its destination was Geneva, Switzerland. There were 229 souls on board this plane. Um, it took off, you know, got about 300 miles away, um, went over um, Atlantic, going to Geneva, and all of a sudden some smoke was coming from inside the airplane the pilots could see it through the cockpit they could smell it uh eventually it started getting worse at first they kind of ignored it um thought it was just the air conditioning turns out it was not the air conditioning there were wires inside the plane that were slowly burning um so eventually they contacted a tower nearby decided that they were going to dump some fuel and as they were dumping that fuel that is when things got a lot more complicated um, a fire broke out. Flames were, I mean, coming from even inside the flight deck. However, there in the cabin of the airplane, no smoke was smell, no smoke was smelt, no flames were visible. Um, kind of crazy. But later on, the I mean, air traffic control lost contact with the plane. News that it had crashed into the ocean near a small town. Um, Peggy's Cove um, so it was kind of unfortunate um, it was very sad you know 
Swiss Air pilots, they did as much right as they could. They went through the checklist. Um, they're obviously trained very well. Uh, but, you know, unfortunate accident that happened. So, yeah. Let's discuss, shall we? Yes. Okay, so that's what we got going on for yep. the incident. Um, Ava did a really good job of presenting the timeline. Um, the aircraft unfortunately struck the ocean and asked me to see at 345 miles per hour. The collision with the water decelerated the aircraft, mm-hmm. causing 350 Gs of force when it hit the water. Obviously, everybody on board was assumed dead immediately. And I will say, they were only 35 miles away from the airport that they were going to divert to. They were closer, and then they were told that they could not dump the fuel over a town, so they had to go over the water to dump it. Bad decision. Um, But, of course, you can't land with basically full fuel. Exactly. not safe to land with a heavy airplane. Um, So, yeah. I mean, it's pretty unfortunate how close they were to the airport. Um, There's only so much they could have done, though. Exactly. That was such a unfortunate incident and accident here um out of the 215 passengers and 14 crew on board 132 were american 41 were swiss including all 13 members 30 french three british four canadian three italian two greek two lebanese one from afghanistan china germany india russia saudi arabia spain mexico sweden and yugoslavia wow yeah, and um, there were also um, the the son of boxing legend Jake LaMata was on board, as well as Jonathan Mann, the former head of the World Health Organization's AIDS program. Wow. Yeah, the uh, search and rescue incident seemed to take quite a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, uh, it featured three aircraft, one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven like over 20 vessels searching mm-hmm. the water yep um you know it just the, you know, like the cockpit voice recorder the um flight instrument recorder all of that stuff that was damaged so it made it very difficult for them to investigate and find the cause of the crash cause of the accident cause of the fire um but you know towards the end before they crashed they lost all their flight instruments one by one which is it's kind of crazy i mean especially when you're flying in the dark i mean it's late at night you know all of a sudden it, you're just the flight deck goes black it's just insane exactly yeah yeah the, the loss of flight instruments mm-hmm. is absolutely especially when you're flying in a dark environment mm-hmm. over water yeah you have no sense where the horizon is. Yep. It's just, it's crazy. Scary. It is scary. Very scary. Because that is, that is one of those things that it could happen to any anyone at any time. Yeah. Uh, I know some more fun facts, not that anything's fun about this accident, yeah. of course. Um, there were two paintings on board, including the Le Penetre by Pablo Picasso uh, were on board and they were lost uh and destroyed mm-hmm. in the accident. So there's one less Pablo Picasso painting in the world because of it. Uh, there are a variety of memorials and tributes that can be found all over the place uh, to memorialize uh, what happened. Ava, why don't you uh, talk to us about some aftermath and impacts on the aviation industry that occurred due to this event? Um, well, besides the search and recovery difficulties, you know, with 
finding everything. I mean, everything was broken, split up. They only found one body still intact in the water. Um, so uh, they had the TSB, which is like the Canadian NTSB, made some recommendations to change aircraft materials, you know, testing, certification, inspection, maintenance, electrical systems, um, flight data capture, because both of the flight recorders had stopped when they lost the power. Got it. Um, so especially an MD-11, I mean, those aren't really flown anymore, um, besides some cargo. Cargo know. variants, yeah. yeah, for FedEx, UPS. Yep. Um, but, I mean, basically just improving safety, both kind of like with the pilot's knowledge on issues like this and just improving plane safety, plane maintenance, um, making sure that there's more better preventative measures for this kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, very sad, very unfortunate. Um, as every accident does, it does kind of bring light onto things that can be changed, things that can be fixed. Um, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah, and then some more aftermath facts. Um, the uh, in-flight entertainment system that was blamed for causing the accident uh, had been installed on the aircraft to attract more passengers, was removed in order to ease airlines' financial difficulties. Instead of fixing the problem, they just completely removed the problem. And one I will say, Swiss Air was one of the first airlines to include the in-flight entertainment um including gambling you can you could literally pay to gamble wow on the in-flight entertainment yeah so that was pretty cool well that's interesting because that is not a feature that i see anywhere today Mm -hmm. um but you know sad that they thought of this genius idea and then it just ended up causing some problems yeah and unfortunately um it was um it led to the demise of swiss air um the uh then uh Traffic rights in international traffic flights and uh, flight slots were then passed over to Swiss International Airlines, Mm -hmm. which still flies the same route today. Yes, but they fly with an A330. They do fly with the A330. I will say I really love that Swiss Air still flies some A340s. You know, it's always very cool, especially seeing those come into O'Hare. Yeah, um, that, that is true. We do get yeah. some uh, A340s here. I year really out of here. want to fly on one before they're completely retired. Someday. Yes. Um, that and a 747. Okay, and an A380. Well, A380 has a longer. I I think, I don't know. I think 747, A380, and A340 are all at the end of their life sentence. Yeah. But it's sad. It is sad. Um, want to cross all those off the list before it's too late. Well, Lauren, as your question from the beginning, I guess we have some more adventures planned. Yes. <laughs> Very spontaneous, too, though. Of course. Well, I yes. think that concludes our episode today. Yeah. A little bit shorter episode for you mm-hmm. guys today, coming in about 45 minutes. But, hey, that's more time for you guys to go out and enjoy your day. Less time listening to us, I guess. Uh, we'll see you next week uh, for episode number four of the Through the Clouds podcast. Should yeah. be exciting. Um, be sure to email Send us more jokes, any news or st- personal stories, any, really. I mean, if you have any interesting stories. Yeah, anything you want to share. you'd like to share. Ooh, I actually do have one okay. question. Well, not really question. We were told to bring this up on the podcast. Oh. My grandmother talked to us about how she encountered some major turbulence on a Southwest flight into Key West. Remember, us, remember her telling us about that? A thousand to Miami. Nope, it was into Key West. Really? Yes. Southwest flew to Key West at one point? I'm pretty sure. I don't I think it was a Southwest flight. Interesting. I thought it was into Miami. No, it might have been a Delta flight. I'm not completely sure. Okay. Southwest or Delta. I just remember they used to fly Southwest all the time. 
Got it. But yeah, so remember they encountered the turbulence. That's true. Said they they were caught in a downdraft. Um, they basically circled over the water for about two hours, is what she says. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's crazy how that happens. There were thunderstorms all over. Yeah, that's what happens when thunderstorms happen. That's that's a big disruption in the mm-hmm. summer season is thunderstorms. Yeah. Uh, it sounded like she got caught in a microburst, mm-hmm. which then caused an immediate wind shear alert and go-around procedure. And they end up holding over the ocean for quite yep. a long time before they came in and landed. I mean, good job by the pilots, though, for sure. Obviously, bravo. Yes. Um, but, yeah, that's it. I forgot about that. But yeah. Yeah, no, I remembered. And thank you. Thank you, Grandma Albright, for... Uh, for uh, sharing this. Masi. Masi. Thank you for Masi Not for Grandma sharing Albright. it. Sorry about that. But yeah. So I mean, I think that concludes it. I, well, it concludes the podcast. Ava just closed out the podcast. You yeah. guys have a great rest of your week. Yeah. We'll see you next time on the Through the Clouds podcast. Signing off for now. It's Jared and Ava.